Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman. Welcome to Career Central. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host of an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals by providing strategies you can implement immediately. Our guest today is Terry McDowell, McDougall. Um, we asked Terry to join us today to share strategies on how to handle and thrive when dealing with office politics because she has done it and she helps others do the same. Now, I don't know about you, but I have clients who call and say, I've got to get out of this job. I can't handle the, the office politics. And Terry's going to teach us how to not run away from office politics, but to embrace them and to use them to advance our careers. And so I am so excited to have Terry because I've got to admit, I was one of those ones that said, oh, office politics, I, I just don't want to handle this. So Terry, welcome to Career Central. Lorraine, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about this topic today. I'm, I'm so glad you're excited about it because I know that our listeners are anxious to, to understand the ins and outs of office politics. Um, so why don't you share with our listeners about your career path and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Well, I'm an executive and career coach, and I'm also the author of a book called Winning the Game of Work, Career, Happiness, and Success on Your Own Terms. I became a full-time coach in 2017, and prior to that, I spent 30 years in the corporate world as a marketer. And the last 12 years of that time, I was leading marketing for various businesses at my last employer. Okay, so strong marketing background, which people are going, hey, what's marketing got to do with career coaching? We are always marketing mm -hmm. ourselves, both in a job yes. and when we're in job search. So very, very um, useful um, strategies and approaches. So as part of um, your coaching, you, you share your understanding that the work environment is an essential part of your job and career satisfaction. And one aspect of that work environment, as many of us we've been talking about that is office politics. So why don't you share your own personal experience with office politics, the good, the bad, and the ugly? So. Well, much like you, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners, I wasn't too keen on office politics to begin with either. And I, I really thought that, you know, if you just sort of like stayed out of the fray and kind of just sit, sat over to the side and just did your work, um, or if I did my work, that I would, it would be noticed and I would be promoted which was my goal. And what I found was that, you know, even though that approach had worked for me when I was in school, that all of a sudden when I was in the workplace, that didn't work so well. You know, nobody was tapping me on the shoulder and saying, you know, come on, let me promote you. And so I began to realize that maybe there was a little bit more to being promoted and, and being able to have influence than just, you know, quietly doing my work over in the corner. And as time went on, I began to recognize that, you know, office politics is not, it's not a dirty word. I mean, we can, we can think of it that way, I think often because there are some people who are very, very good at office politics who don't combine that with a, a strong work ethic. There are people that, you know, get ahead by, you know, uh, kissing up to the boss or by, you know, taking credit for other people's work or positioning themselves so that it appears that they're doing a lot. And because they're able to build these relationships and have influence in the organization, they can often move up, even though they're sort of empty suits, if you will. Um, but I really think that if 
you are a hard worker and you learn how to influence, which is that's basically what I consider office politics to be. It's the ability to have relationships so that you can influence within the organization. If you can combine those two things, it really is, is pretty much unstoppable. Um, so if you want to move up and then why not? <laughs> I, I think when we had a conversation, you shared with me kind of that point in your career where you got it. There was that aha moment um, in terms of office politics. Can you share that? Are you comfortable sharing it with our listeners? Uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to think about which one that was. Um, um, share many, because if you had multiple <laughs> aha moments, the more we know about your experiences, the more we can relate. Yeah, yeah, I did have, I, I had an experience at one point where I had been kind of the right hand person to the head of marketing for a business. And he left the company. And I decided I was ready for that next step up. And I was the kind of next person in the hierarchy. So to me, it felt like it made sense for me to throw my hat in the ring and, and uh, go ahead and apply for the job. I did, I did terribly in the interviews because I walked into it thinking like, oh, everybody knows me and they know the value that I add. I didn't really prepare much. I did not really step back to see, you know, kind of, I guess, check whether people really viewed me the way that I viewed myself within the organization. And it was, it was really kind of humiliating and it was painful because I didn't get the chance to do a job that, in fact, I was doing after he left. <laughs> you know, I stepped up to do that job until um, they, they had a new person come in. I, um, I actually decided to hire a coach at that point, and she really helped me to see myself in the way that other people probably saw me, which was somebody that was like, you know, I was a good, good manager, you know, doing a decent job. But I hadn't really done anything, even though I felt like I was doing exemplary work within the department, I hadn't really done anything to distinguish myself outside of people that knew me firsthand. And I wasn't really showing up in a way either that made me look like I was a leader. I felt like I was, but I wasn't, I wasn't really distinguishing myself. And, and so by going to a coach, she really helped me to be able to step step outside of myself and see that I needed to show up differently and probably needed to be more proactive as well in building those relationships and allowing people to know me in a way that I hadn't before. So I've, I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners are going, that's me, that's me, I'm, I'm in my cubicle, I'm a star performer, but just get passed over for promotions all the time. So great advice, went to a coach. Then what did you do when you get back in the office? Talk, walk us through how you come from the, I am in a cubicle working really hard and yes. I think office politics are awful to jumping in and going, mm -hmm. um, well, I, I need to what, get in there. What happened after that was uh, interestingly enough, they went through the whole, you know, I got, I got, I washed out of the interview process I, they went through the whole process. They offered the job to someone and she turned it down. And so they started the process all over again. And I reapplied for the job. I was actually surprised that they, they agreed to interview me again. But this time with these newfound, you know, I was showing up differently. I made it all the way to the finals. It was me and an external candidate. They ultimately offered the job to the external candidate 
But interestingly enough, the day that I found out that I did not get the job, I had a call from a recruiter on my phone, which began this whole time of me interviewing outside of the company. And within two or three months, I had two job offers and, uh, and I was actively interviewing with another company. And I think that just that increase in my awareness, when I, I ultimately took one of the jobs that brought me here to Chicago and, um, it was it was really critical, honestly, that my eyes were open and the blinders were taken off because the job that I came into was uh, heading marketing for an investment bank here in Chicago, and it was um, challenging to to say the least. And oh, sorry, a second, That's I'm okay. gonna close the blinds. For those of you listening, life is going on, and we're going to um, block out a little noise of a dog that seems to really be enjoying the uh, the podcast and wants to be part of it. So <laughs> as Terry um, takes care of that, I just want to um, reinforce what she's saying is that she's, and we're going to talk about you entered a new job with a new perspective on how to handle office politics. Why don't yeah. you talk to us about those first days, those first steps, so that you made sure that you weren't the person in the corner producing, but not yeah. connecting. Well, the first thing that I did when I started that, uh, that job is that there were a lot of stakeholders that I needed to uh, meet and that I needed to ultimately um, stay on the right side of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that I needed to add value for as the head of marketing for, um, for that business. And so I, I went on sort of a, a little listening tour. You know, I had a list of probably 40 people that over the course of the first month, I set up one-on-one -on -one meetings with, went in to introduce myself, to listen, to understand what were the, the things that they needed to achieve within their businesses, because it's a very complex, pretty flat organization with uh, a lot of stakeholders, as I mentioned. And the interesting thing about being in marketing is that, you know, we do, we do a lot of work, but there's a lot of opinions about whether something's going to be effective or not. And so there's, I always would say to my team, like, play a good game of offense, meaning do good work, mm -hmm. but also play a good game of defense. Understand how you're being perceived and get ahead of that, you know, have strong relationships so that if somebody has a question that they don't go to your boss and complain about you, that they come to you and say, hey, give me some input in, as to why you're doing it this way. You know, keep those lines of communication open so that you can control the narrative of what's going on. And I, two th great things that you said. One is start by listening. And I think so often, mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but when we're trying to build a relationship, we do all the talking and the listening. But what I really want to um, tap into is that idea that somebody comes back to talk to you and not your boss, because that yeah. is just a career killer. So yeah. talk about how you advised your team to make sure that happened. Well, you know, a, a lot of times whenever there's something that is, you know, there's some conflict or something's going wrong, very easy for us to really get attached to our perspective in this situation and get judgmental about what's going on. We may even, you know, blame other people in the organization like, oh, you know, they are always making it so tough for me. And I think that what's really important in those situations is to understand that each person's perspective makes sense to them. And most of the time, 
even though people may, you know, sometimes try to make things personal, most of the time it's not personal. It's, and, and if you can like try to put yourself in their shoes and say, well, can I understand why maybe they're perceiving things this way? Like once we understand that, once we understand what motivates people, we can start to have influence over them. Um, and, you know, I, I think uh, marketing is, a, is such a, I mean, that, that's what my entire career was in. And it's, it's a very tough um, area to work in because you have to have those open lines of communications with the, you know, a lot of different people within the organization. And marketing is the, the group that is sort of the face to the organization. So we have to translate what we're hearing within the organization and then be able to communicate that to clients and prospects and others outside the organization. And sometimes there can be, you know, maybe a, a difference of opinion about what that message should be or whatever. And, you know, as long as you kind of maintain this sort of solutions oriented, you know, willing to collaborate type attitude, and then things can, there's, there's some fluidity to it, right, that people don't get polarized. And I think it's really important to, to maintain that kind of perspective and not, not start, you know, blaming people if you have a conflict with them. Because once once the polarization sets in, it's very very difficult to, you know, get people to to flow or move to a new place. I think something you said is extremely important, and that is when it starts to look like there's a conflict or something, is to think about the other person's perspective. Can you mm -hmm. walk us through a situation where you or maybe a, a team member did that, and you were able to turn a situation around? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is probably about 15 years ago or so. And it was when it's actually funny to even think about, but there weren't, there wasn't the mass adoption of email marketing platforms. And in fact, we did not have an email marketing platform at my company. And we, we got a new banker. He was, you know, highly touted. He came in, he had been doing email marketing he had like a regular newsletter that he sent out at his old investment banking firm and he came in and he wanted to do the same thing with us and we didn't really have the platform to, to do it on and so I was I was working within the organization to try to figure out first of all if we had it because I was part of a very large bank and I thought maybe another area of marketing might have it they didn't have it he was very very impatient <laughs> he he felt like when he came in that he should be able to do exactly what he did at his old firm without any, you know, I, I think he was even sort of critical of the firm because we didn't have this platform. And he was very unhappy. He was complaining a lot. And I just kept engaging him. I remember at one point having a pretty uncomfortable meeting. It was me and the person on my team that was assigned to support this area of the business. And then this banker and his boss, and we were all sitting around and he was very, he was very, very, you know, frustrated and critical of marketing because we didn't have this. And I think just being willing to sit down and listen to him while at the same time, earnestly looking for a solution. And, you know, we, we did go through a period of time where he was still not happy because until we got the solution in place, he was he wasn't able to market in the way that he had done previously. 
Um, but I think staying engaged and not, you know, ignoring him or something like that, it kept, it kept like the communication lines open, even though sometimes it wasn't comfortable for me because he was very critical. Um, but, you know, I, I, uh, once we got the platform in place, I, I am in some ways very thankful that he was so persistent and even, you know, he kept the heat on. And because of that, my team was the first one that we, you know, we found this email marketing platform. It ended up becoming the, the company standard in short order. And this was prior to the financial meltdown in, you know, 2008, 2009, when our budgets got cut tremendously. And had we not had that platform in place, we would have really been dead in the water from a marketing standpoint. But because we had that platform in place, we were able to continue communicating with clients and prospects really cheaply because we had done a lot of direct mail before that. Um, so I, I kind of look at it like, even though it was uncomfortable at the time, he actually put us in a better position <laughs> than we would have been had he not you know, complained so much. So I think the moral of the story is that you um, spent the time and effort to appreciate where he was coming for, from, you hung in there, and again, that became a career advancing move. So we are going to take a very short break and then we're going to come back and continue our conversation with Terry, diving more into office politics. I think so far she's given us some really good ideas about how we can embrace that. But we're going to dig deeper into how we can um, use and understand office politics. So stay with us and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career, from how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 
If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central and our conversation with Terry about that dreaded topic, office politics. And so far, we have started to embrace the concept that office politics is a great um, asset to our careers. She shared a story about how dealing with a, a, a tense situation wound up putting her in a great position to move forward on her career. But now we're going to dig a little deeper because she did talk about starting a new job. And many of us, when we start new jobs, we we just don't know who to listen to, what to believe, and all that office politics. And so we're going to ask the expert to share with us. So Terry, let's let's walk through that whole process. You're new on the job. Who do you trust? Who don't you trust? Go for it. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, first of all, you have to get some clarity from your boss on what the expectations are for your role. I think that that's really critical. And then, you know, in the last few jobs that I've had, I've started off by asking my boss, who do I need to know? You know, who do I need to know in order to be successful in this role? Because you don't get things done by yourself, typically, especially as you move up in an organization. And so, you know, being proactive about starting to build those relationships is important. And to your point, yeah, there are people that can be very opinionated about what they think you should do in your role. And I look at it like, you know, just listen, listen and start to extrapolate the more bits of data and the more perspectives that you start to gather as you're meeting with various people. Um, I think that it, you'll you'll start to get clarity on, you know, where you exist within that ecosystem, if you will. Um, I also found it really helpful that as I was onboarding and I was meeting with people that I would have periodic check-ins with my boss to, you know, let her know, okay, here, here are the people that I met with. These are the things I heard from them. And in some cases, she would give me a little bit of perspective. I mean, because obviously there's lots of different types of personalities and sometimes there are people that maybe they're their bark is bigger than their bite or vice versa, right? And so it was very helpful for her sometimes to say to me like, oh yeah, that guy's sort of a blowhard, you know, just take everything that he says with a grain of salt or, you know, this person actually has a lot of power in the organization and they're somewhat mild mannered, but, you know, make sure that you're keeping an eye on them because, you know, what they, like their perspective matters, or maybe they're very close with the CEO or something like that. And it's just helpful to understand those dynamics so that you, you know, kind of know how to play it as you're moving forward with the things that you need to do in your job. So find the trusted mentor. Hopefully it's your boss. Um, maybe somebody after a few days you realize is, is really a trusted individual. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to put your feet to the fire because the situation that so often happens when we withdraw and, and are in our cubicle is we have a situation where someone is working against us. Someone mm-hmm. really does want to undermine us, does want to prevent us from moving forward. Okay, Terry, how do we handle that? Well, hopefully if you have engaged that you can have some influence over that situation. I, I had a situation at one point where the company had gone through sort of a change in the way that they, that the marketing roles were assigned. Cause it, it initially, you know, if you were a marketing manager, you pretty much did soup to nuts. And then as time went on, they started bringing these specialists 
in. And I, I was a marketing manager that was, you know, business facing, I would develop the strategy, and then I would have to get other players involved to execute on it. And there was, uh, I was having a lot of trouble with one of the event planners, she just wasn't very um, responsive, I was getting a lot of pressure from the people in the field for me just to do it. But that would have put me in trouble, because I would, you know, I'd be stepping over the line to do somebody else's job. And I was uh, kind of complaining to my boss. <laughs> and he said, I want you to ask her to lunch. And I was like, I don't want to go to lunch with her. <laughs> I, I didn't like her. She wasn't supporting me. I felt like she was, she, I felt like I was holding the bag for her lack of responsiveness. I was getting a lot of pressure for that. But, you know, when my boss told me I needed to take her to lunch, I invited her to lunch. And the really interesting thing was that it's very hard to hold a lot of animosity towards somebody when you're sharing a meal with them. And it gave me a lot of empathy for her as well, because as we were sitting across the table, she said to me, like, nobody ever asked me to lunch. <laughs> and and I, I sort of realized that because of the way they had restructured that she was feeling, you know, kind of lonesome. She wasn't really part of a bigger team. And um, I also began to realize that, oh, we're both in marketing. Maybe my loyalty should be a little bit more to somebody who's a fellow marketer than you know, allowing the field to sort of, you know, leverage me to get what they wanted done, for, but for me to go, you know, step over the line in terms of what the new rules were within the organization. And the interesting thing was that after that, we just got along better. We cooperated more. I still had pressure from the field, but I, I think that I got more clarity in terms of just having to say to them, like, listen, we all work for the same company. This decision was made to, you know, have us working with specialists rather than me doing everything. And, you know, you're going to have to deal. <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I think a lot of that was me feeling like I had to take on responsibility for something that actually wasn't my responsibility. And it wasn't, you know, this, this change was not based on something I chose to do. It was something that people higher up in the organization chose to do in terms of changing the, the structure. I think there's a great example of what you said earlier is get to know that person who <laughs> is resisting you, figure out what their issue is. And I really liked the way you said about your loyalty. I mean, here was somebody else who was, you know, trying to do something similar to you. And so how could you be, be supportive of each other? That go to lunch, go to coffee is sometimes the best solution to when someone is causing you stress and yet it's the the last thing we think about, because you said, you know, resist it. I have to, but my boss said, for those of you that are listening, they don't have a boss, go say, if you have that person in your office, who's just really, you feel like undermining you, critical of you, just take a deep breath and say, maybe not lunch, because it's a long time, but how about, how about we take have you coffee. Know, coffee or right now, how about we get on Zoom and, and share our coffee hour? So great, great insights. I, I want to pull on the fact that you have this amazing background in marketing and what principles have, from marketing can we take into our career again so that we can start to build those relationships? Because really what we're talking about is office politics. We think of it as unpleasant because we're standing back and we're like the, the woman who you had a conflict with. We're, we're just seeing the conflicts and we're not taking an active role in resolving those conflicts we're running mm -hmm. you know we're running away rather than running into which is hard like running into a mm -hmm. fire 
but give us some um, insights on marketing that'll help us um, run into that fire. Well, you know, one of the things that you were talking about and what, as I got better, as I became more engaged in, in trying to influence within the organization, I started understanding, you know, where the, the power lie, um, what, who, you know, what the dynamics were. And it was really interesting as time went on that I started to realize, like, if I pull a string over here, something's going to happen over here. And it was actually got to be sort of fun to try to influence that way to, you know, plant a seed with someone and let it germinate. Right. And then all of a sudden it's their idea. <laughs> you know, it's, That was fun. And because it really was, you know, it was really using leverage to get things done. Um, but to, to your question about, you know, what do marketing and, you know, managing your career have in common? It's really a matter of thinking about, I mean, we hear people talk a lot about like, what's your personal brand, but really, what are you trying to achieve? And what do people want to buy? Right. And then, and then looking at yourself and saying, how can I package myself so that I'm an attractive package that people are interested in? You know, and, and so often I think that when, you know, going back to what we, what, how we started the conversation that, you know, sometimes we want to just sit in the corner and just do our work and be quiet. Well, that's sort of like that generic box of cereal sitting on the, on the shelf in the grocery store, right? You don't want to buy it. You don't know what you're going to get. You know, it's just a, a white package with black lettering. You don't know what it is. Right. But if you allow yourself to be seen, if you engage with people, they know that you're dependable. You know, I, I actually encourage people to volunteer for special projects or for, you know, United Way was a big thing at the last couple of places that I worked for. And while the first, you know, inkling might be to say, well, I don't want to do that because I have too much work on my on my desk right now. I found that when I was volunteering for that thing, for those things that I was getting exposure to people from across the company and very often senior level executives, because they usually would be the, the sponsor of the campaigns. And so you'd get invited to meetings with them or, you know, they would want to know who all was involved in, in running the campaign and they would become familiar with your name and you know, maybe you'd see them in the cafeteria and they'd say, oh, hey, Terry, you know, thanks for your good work on this. And and I, I really felt like it was interesting, too, because I felt like as time went on, I got more and more opportunities because people knew me to be somebody that, you know, was OK with volunteering with that kind of thing and would deliver. Um, and it's when I first started my career. I had some really naive views of how things work <laughs> in in the corporate world. And I really thought that, oh, well, you know, senior leaders, shouldn't they be going out through the entire organization and trying to find the best people to, you know, be promoted into these roles? Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> you know, like you can be the most brilliant person in the world, but if you're over in the corner and you're not allowing yourself to be seen and known, nobody's going to know that, that you're doing that. And people that are okay with stepping into the spotlight or allowing themselves to be seen, even if they're not perfect, they're, they're handy, right? <laughs> when, when that senior person needs someone to take on a project, they're like, oh, let's call Terry. Even if they 
even if they called me before, right? They know me and they're, they know, like, and trust me. And that is really, really critical um, because nobody wants to put their own reputation on the line for an unknown quantity. quantity. So it sounds like, first of all, be willing to take risks, have a concept of, you know, what, where, how you want to be seen. And then again, take that risk, step out. Um, I know that I have an experience where I was on an elevator with a high ranking official or person in my organization who said, well, you know, how do you like your job? And, you know, what would you like to do next? And I mean, I just didn't have an answer. I've got to admit, I just, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I guess um, what you're saying is always have that answer. If you have that opportunity and somebody says, what would you like to do next? Kind of be ahead. And yeah, say, I, I think be thinking about it. And, you know, like they say, if you don't ask, you don't get. Um, sometimes you ask and you're, you're not going to get. But I also think that planting a seed about the things that you would like to do makes it a mu much more likely that you're going to get the outcome rather than you thinking that somebody is going to read your mind and know what you're interested in. Good. I want to go back to, you had a comment that I think sometimes we forget. It's not always the bosses that have the power. And yeah, when you're talking about true. finding, finding the, the points of, of power. Mm -hmm. So um, any other insights that come from marketing that we can use as we try to be seen in our jobs? Well, I think that it goes back to something that I've, I've touched on a couple times before, and that is understanding what motivates people. You know, that's one of the things that in marketing that we think about constantly, like, okay, what is going to motivate a, a prospect to act, to want to buy, right? And so if we, can, if we can think about what does that person need in order to buy, and then we can look at ourselves and say, well, how do I package myself so that I look attractive to them? And, you know, I, I uh, like when I'm coaching people, I say, okay, the first thing we're going to do is get clarity on what your goal is. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to build a roadmap to get there. And then we're going to look and see, are there any skill gaps here? You know, and if there are, we're going to work on, on uh, filling in those, those skill gaps. And so if you go through that same process with yourself, and honestly, it's pretty much the same thing that you would do if you're developing a new product. Right. You're saying, OK, well, we, we believe that there's a, a need in the marketplace for this. So we want to come up with this plan. Like what's our product development and marketing plan to, to make that happen? Are there any you know, risks that we need to mitigate here? Right. Like that's all part of the plan. It's really the same thing that you would do with yourself. And um, yeah, so <laughs> that's pretty much it. It's aligned with what you do in marketing. So if we're just starting out, trying to figure out um, what our bosses, what our organization needs, any tricks for how to, how to figure that out? Um, I think that look for opportunities. Like sometimes we can be in a, a unique position to see that there's a better way to do things. And I, I did that very often where I would say, gosh, it seems like we could do this process better, you know? And so I would, put together uh, an idea and take it to my boss and say, you know, I, I see an issue here. We're not being as productive or effective or efficient as we could be. And I'm wondering if you'll give me permission to work on this so that we can fix it. Um, and I think that that's, that's very much appreciated if you, you know, think above and beyond 
just what the, you know, written responsibilities of your job are and say, how can I add value? What are other ways I can add value? Because a lot of times more senior leaders, they don't, they don't see things from your perspective and you can be a leader no matter what level you're at. You know, if you, if you see an opportunity and you, you really believe it's going to add value for the company, ask if you can work on it. So I love what you're saying. It's just in the position you are, look around and see how you can make things better and then develop that plan and take it to a, a decision maker. I'm going to tap into your marketing again, because so often we get a great idea and we run down the hall and go, oh, we should change all of this. My guess is that's not what you advise. So how do you think through that issue before you present it? What, what factors well, do you look at? You know, I, if I were in that situation, um, and I have been, <laughs> I might find people that, you know, aren't my boss. So maybe people around me and just say, hey, I have an idea. What do you think about this? Right. Just to see if they say, oh, well, you know what? We tried that last year and it was shot down big time. Right. So or, you know, maybe from a regulatory standpoint, we can't do that. Right. So in that case, maybe I'm not going to go pr propose that to the boss. But, you know, you, you sort of like do your little focus groups, if you will, with people that are kind of low risk to begin with. And then um, I think that it's really important to kind of put it in um communicate it in the way that it's going to add value to the company, right? And if there's any way that you can even talk about, okay, this is the cost of us doing things the old way, and this is how we're going to either make more money, save money, or reduce risk if we do it this other way. Um, and, and almost like do kind of a business case and take it to your boss rather than just kind of with a half-baked idea. Because the more they're going to, I mean, first of all, your boss is busy. And even if it's a fantastic idea, they might be distracted. They may not be ready for that. Um, but if you are aligning with the things that they care about, which typically is making more money, saving money, or reducing risk, um, they, they may be more open to it. Um, I also think that sometimes it makes sense to, you know, make sure that the timing's right. I am actually thinking about um, a process and it was actually sort of an online platform that I put in place to streamline our charitable giving within our uh, division. And it was, it was really a headache the way that we used to do it because there was no centralized process. And at the end of the year, we'd be scrambling to find credit card receipts and reach out to all the bankers to see what they gave. It was just a, a major nightmare. Um, but I came up with this idea to develop this, this platform where we would drive everybody to that to get approvals and to, you know, start the process of charitable giving and, and ever, everything would go into a database. So at the end of the year, we would just download the database. Um, but I had to go to my boss three times before he gave me the okay to go forward with it because I think that he had higher priorities. He didn't necessarily get what I was trying to do. But, you know, the third time I went to him was at the end of the year when we were going through that process of, you know, digging up, go, going through files. And I was like, okay, remember, Rick, I asked you about this six months ago. And uh, he was like, okay, that makes sense, right? I, I think he just didn't, he just didn't have the focus when I brought it up to him before. But when he was feeling the pain, he was like, okay, <laughs> I think now's the time. <laughs> Let's do it. 
No, great point. Uh, great idea. Flesh it out. Have it ready. If it gets rejected the first time, wait until there's pain. And that's the solution. Yes. Be persistent. We're going to take another very short break. Um, hang in with us. Come on back and we'll continue our conversation with Terry. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career, from how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview2work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central and our conversation with Terry, who has been giving us wonderful insights on how to use office politics to our advantage to help us achieve our, our career goals, um, how to deal with people who maybe we're not getting along with. It's the lunch, it's the coffee, great ideas, but we really want to get, we talked about the good, but the bad and the ugly. And the ugly really is when you're in a situation that is really toxic. In other words, you're either driving to work with that pit in the bottom of your stomach thinking, do I have to do this? Or when you get home, you're so mentally exhausted, you just cannot cope. You know that you're in a toxic situation. Right now, many of us can't just jump ship um, and walk down the street and find another job. 
So we're going to um, put Terry to the test and have her share with us how we're going to deal with those situations. So Terry, it's all to you. Go for it. Well, during the break, we were talking about uh, a, a situation that I had with a, a very bad boss. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that I've uh, observed in my career is I've actually probably learned more from bad bosses than I have from, from good bosses. And with this, this boss, she, uh, I was working in North Carolina. She came from Chicago, uh, maybe a little ironically, because that's where I am now. Um, but she came in in a new position and I think really was a bit over her head in terms of understanding the business that we were in, understanding what was expected of her. Her boss was in Atlanta, so he wasn't there on site. And she came in as pretty much a control freak and a little bit crazy. Um, one of my earliest memories of when she first started was we shared an office wall and I could hear her screaming on the phone to the dry cleaner in the building, accusing the dry cleaner of losing her slacks to a suit that she had dropped off there. And, you know, certainly I was kind of like, well, I would be upset if the dry cleaner lost some slacks, but I don't think I would handle it that way. <laughs> Um, there were a lot of difficult things with her. She was very much micromanager, but yet didn't understand the business. She was a, very much of a, a bottleneck in, you know, inserting herself between me and my internal clients, but not reviewing the things that she insisted upon seeing so that it was actually causing my, um, projects to get behind. And, um, I decided at one point that the way I was going to handle it was just to avoid her, to just cut her out of the review that she had said she, she wanted. And uh, that, by the way, is not the right way to handle this. <laughs> and, um, you know, she did step into her authority and she kind of called me on the carpet and basically told me she was going to put me on a performance improvement plan, which, you know, for anybody who's worked in corporate, that's the you're one step from one foot out the door when that happens. And so I, I kind of woke up and realized, okay, well, the way that I've been dealing with this is not the right way to deal with it. And, you know, you were talking about the pit in your stomach. I had a horrible pit in my stomach. This place had been such a great place to work until she came and she really changed the whole dynamic and it really felt very toxic. Um, and I also didn't want to lose my job. And so what I decided to do as hard as it was, was every morning when I came in, I would peek my head in her office door and paste a smile on my face and say, hi, how are you this morning? I was forcing myself to engage with her. And much to my surprise, all of a sudden, I was like the golden child when it came to her. She, she started coming in my office and, and you know, shooting the breeze and getting my opinion on things. And I was, I was quite shocked. And I, when I look back, I realized that, you know, she was feeling insecure and by me ignoring her. And, you know, even though I didn't feel like she was doing a great job as a manager, that I was just exacerbating her feelings of insecurity. And the way that she dealt with that was to come down like a ton of bricks. Um, and the interesting thing about this situation was, um, I became kind of the golden child and she started focusing her vitriol on another person in our department. And, you know, I actually had gone to HR a couple times during the time that uh, I felt like I was being bullied by her. 
And it, by the way, everybody, HR is not there for the employees. <laughs> it's there to protect management. And after a while, you know, they just said, don't come back. <laughs> and, and, and that was frustrating, you know, so I, I guess that's what led me to say, okay, well, I guess I have to take this into my own hands and I have to be responsible for this relationship with my boss. But what um, eventually happened after 10 months was that she was abusive to this other employee. She um, did it in front of some witnesses and she was let go. Um, and I remember sitting in my office that day, it, it was probably like 15 minutes or 20 minutes after five. And I was just finishing up some work before I was going to go home. And the light on my phone just came on. And that's kind of a signal that there was a blast voicemail message that went out, not, you know, somebody didn't try to call me and miss me. And so I listened to it. And it was the, the boss that was in Atlanta, leaving a message to say that this person was no longer with the company. And I was so excited. Um, because I felt like a huge weight had been lifted from my shoulders. And it also made me realize how much of that weight was my choice, you know, because I could have chosen to show up differently. And in fact, I did, I did shift how I showed up and it made things better for me, but I could have even done more. I could have, you know, recognized she's my boss. This is how she wants to manage me. Um, I, I can accept that. You know, I mean, this is the hierarchy that the company put in place. Um, and it wasn't really up to me to judge her and the kind of boss that she was. Um, and, you know, it, it ran its natural course, but it was just very frustrating during that time to feel like it should be different. And I think that my own judgment about that actually made the situation more painful for me. Okay, a great insight. So um, part of that is that you had to stay and you took the initiative to change the relationship. Um, and then obviously when the company realized what was going on and changed your boss, you were still there, you still had your job um, mm -hmm. and probably needed to deal with the, the aftermath of being the in that PTSD. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think that the lesson in all of that is that, um, you know, when we show up differently, the situation changes. Um, now uh, I see it a lot, even with people that I coach that sometimes you've got people that I, I think in that, the case of that person, I'm not a psychologist, but I think she had a personality disorder because she had severe emotional dysregulation issues. Um, and there's not a lot, like a lot of times when, when there are people like that in companies. Like, I don't think that our boss in Atlanta believed a lot of the buzz that was coming out of our office. I think he thought it was just people that were resisting the new boss because it was a lot of the stuff that was happening did seem unbelievable. Like somebody screaming at the top of their lungs at the dry cleaner. Like that, that's not normally <laughs> the thing that you would see, at least in, you know, I worked at a bank. It wasn't normally the type of behavior that you would see. I never saw it actually besides in her situation. Um, so I think that it was unbelievable to him. Um, but you, even in a terrible situation, you can, you, you have control over your own perception and how you show up. And whether, I mean, I felt very threatened. I was worried that I was going to lose my job. But the reality is that even if I had lost my job, I would have figured it out. You know, and, and I also think that I had put a lot of time in 
and I had a lot of equity in that company, I don't think that it would have happened without a lot of investigation. I don't think that she could have, you know, fired me without people saying, are you sure? Are you sure, Terry's? <laughs> yeah, I think you had that credibility that um, because you had built up those relationships. Yeah. Um, but before we get too much further, um, we always ask our guests to challenge our listeners to take immediate action after the show. And you've shared so many things. What one thing would you like them to to do to help move forward maybe on um, having a more positive attitude towards um, office politics? Well, I think that if if there's an uncomfortable situation that you're in, I would challenge you to start, you know, in some ways peeling back the blinders and saying, what could I do to have a different impact on this situation? And it could be, you know, anything from starting to think about things from the perspective of the person you're having the conflict with, maybe have a little compassion from, for their situation, or reach out to somebody that you're having conflict with and just, you know, be a, a kind human. <laughs> so you know? great, great five second, just as soon as you're off the show, peel it back. Who in your office are you going to reach out to? Ask for that coffee, ask for that lunch so you see their perspective. Um, Terry, how can people get in touch with you and find out more about your coaching and um, your podcast? Yeah, they can reach out to me on my website at terrybmcdougal.com. I'm also active on LinkedIn and my handle there is terrybmcdougal. My podcast is a Marketing Mambo, and if you want to check that out, it's on all of the podcast platforms, but you can also go to marketingmambo.net to listen and subscribe. And then finally, I have a book, Winning the Game of Work, which is available on Amazon. And I encourage everybody to reach out to Terry. Um, the book, her podcast, everything, wonderful resource. And even though I go, oh, marketing career, we are all marketing ourselves in our jobs as we try to move forward in our careers. Um, I want to thank Terry so much for being our guest, for kind of pulling back the blinds on the um, office politics. Next week, our guest will be Elizabeth um, Sanders, and she's speaking about time management. All of us need to learn how to manage our time so we can balance work, home, and those leisure activities. If you're facing a layoff, check out my book, Career Restart, Practical Advice for Surviving and Moving Forward After a Job Loss. It's available on Amazon. And the thing we always leave you with every day, every show is until our next show, this is Lorraine Beeman encouraging you to take care of your career because you are the only one qualified to do it. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for